0: What up guys? Welcome back to the Deskbound Therapy podcast. I'm your host David London, and it is great to have you here. This show is all about empowering deskbound professionals how to live their healthiest life and move pain-free. If you work a desk job and want to move pain-free, look and feel better, and improve your posture, reach out to me personally on Facebook or Instagram and send me a private message so we can get the conversation started to see if you could be a good fit for one of my coaching programs. All the links to my social platforms can be found in the show notes below so you can connect with me there. Now let's dive right into this episode.
1: You miss 100% of the shots you don't take.
0: Welcome to episode 21 of the Deathbound Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, David London, and today I'm here with Matt Lang of Foundation Physio, a.k.a. Matt Does Physio. How's it going, my man?
1: Good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking really forward to this.
0: Yeah, we just punched up. We just did a bunch of push-ups. We're feeling good. We got great energy, and we're going to talk about today demystifying, you know, the fear people have about injuries and rehab and returning to work and some of the, the fears people have around working desk jobs and their posture. So lots of great stuff to dive into today. Why don't we first just go a bit into your background so they know a little bit more about you?
1: Uh, yeah, man. Um, Man, my, I always tell people my background getting into physio was kind of boring. I was just, you know, the typical story of the student athlete who just, um, honestly, I was just too small to play hockey and spent the time, most of my time in the trainer's room. I uh, tried my hand at baseball. That didn't work out for my shoulder. So, you know, you start to try to figure out why you're injured all the time, why you're not, you know, why you can't be on the field, why you can't, you know, be on the ice. Uh, found myself in kinesiology for that reason. Um, that got me pretty far in what I want to do in my career. Uh, through that, I, an internship through kinesiology at U of T, uh, I, I ended up at a physio clinic, I was lucky enough to be at a great physio clinic, um, with a guy who was, uh, an old, um, like if if we go way back, um, when UFC started, he was training some guys, some fighters, um, back in Scotland, he was working with some pro teams. So I got some good advice from him that really lit my fire for physiotherapy, um, and realized it wasn't what I thought physiotherapy was when I was a kid it wasn't just ultrasound and, uh, IFC and tens. So that got me really excited. I ended up applying to physio, luckily got in on my first go, um, in Toronto where I'm, where I'm from and, uh, give me the opportunity to, (coughs) excuse me, start making the connections I wanted to make in my career. Um, and then from there, you know, it's just, um, I always think it's been more exciting since I actually became a physio because, um, you know, anybody who follows me online knows, uh, you know, my my, um, my love for business as well and my love for um, helping clients. So um, the, the journey has been a lot more exciting since uh, I graduated. And um, I don't know if you alluded to it before, but, you know, we've got three clinics, me and my uh, business partner, Raj, in the city of Toronto now. So we're just growing our, our brand and growing our clinic and trying to bring our, our way of physiotherapy uh, to the city of Toronto, you know, and hopefully one day farther than that.
0: Yeah, and what I really liked was the way you kind of explained the injuries. Like, it was cool how you went over the injuries in terms of what athletes had in terms of sports to make it more relatable to people. Because, you know, if people see that, you know, not everyone's perfect or not everyone gets injured, then they start to change their mindset around pain. And that's something I'm super passionate about is, you know, going deep into the mindset so people are educated with their rehab. And even me, too. I've had, like, tons of injuries, and I would always think, like, it leads me back to, like, when I started desplant therapy, I had like I pinched a nerve in my neck, and I had shoulder pain. I was like, "Will I ever get back to training?" Like I was always so frustrated, and I just didn't know what steps to take. So it's like it's cool that you have a similar experience.
1: It, it's a it's a big fear for a lot of the clients we see. Right? Is um, some people just never get injured until they're you know in their twenties or sometimes in their thirties, and they don't know how to respond to that uh, that difficulty of having, you know, not being able to do something in their daily life normally anymore. And the first thing they go to is, you know, you probably heard the same story. It's like, Oh, you know, my mom had that too. Or, you know, my dad's always had something like this, or I've got this great uncle with the same, you know, he's got big toe problems as well. And then it, it just builds into that mindset with people. Right. So for me using sport, something I do in clinic anyways, right? You're just trying to find that common ground with clients and try to uh, make those connections with them, that uh, therapeutic alliance we like to call it these days, right? And that's just the general conversation I was having with clients as well. Uh, being in Toronto and always being a physio in Toronto, you know, it generally revolves around like the Raptors and the Leafs for us, uh, but I just want to take that and, you know, use that that concept to, to bring, it, bring it to, a, you know, not only uh, clients or potential clients, um, but also like students, right. To like, I was always thinking about that when I was in school, you know, and you're learning about an ACL tear, if you don't have any experience with it, it doesn't really make sense to you. It's still just a paper case uh, or an ankle sprain, right. Why are certain guys out with ankle sprains longer than other guys trying to make that just, you know, start that conversation around what those injuries are and try to make it make sense to people a little bit more.
0: Yeah. So true. Like everyone's always comparing to, to their family members. Be like, Oh, it just, you know, generalized lower back pain and just something I have to deal with. And I'm going to have the pain for years, but it's just like, like I really love how social media is empowering people to be more educated about, you know, what's going on with their bodies. So yeah, that can really play a role in terms of, you know, i people understand that, mm-hmm. you know, there's ways to to live without the pain to, to get stronger.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, it's, we always talk about the negative stuff with, with social media, right. But there is some great stuff that's happening, especially in the healthcare sphere. Um, I mean, there's still some bad stuff, right? And and you you got, you're aware of that for sure. Um, You're definitely a bigger presence on online than I am. Uh, But you do, I mean, on your side, you do a great job of like bringing that empowerment to people. Right. Um, And I think you've got like one of the best handles as well. And I think that, (laughs) that, that gets to people, right. Like, um, and that's something it's, it's an interesting point if we take it a step further, because you know, when I was going through, I graduated 10 years ago, so a full decade ago now uh, from physio school. So social media wasn't even a, a concept at that point, right? Like we had, we had Facebook for like a year at that point, maybe two. Now, you know, there, there needs to be more education around not only business, but there needs to be education around how we use social media. And um, the problem is that people who are in the positions to teach probably have less of a concept than I do uh, of, of what's going on. And really, we need people like you to be able to get these concepts out there and and teach people how to use social media properly, um, for the betterment of, you know, I'm not going to say physio, but like physio chiro massage, um, you know, the paramedical rehab sciences to, to change the perception of it, to disambiguate pain, to give people the option that, you know, something like surgery is not always, uh, the, the last call or living in pain isn't always the option for you. Um, And also to connect with clients right and like how do how do we do that and how do we build bridges as opposed to just arguing with people on twitter all the time about you know randomized control trials which is typically what happens because everybody wants to be the the smartest in the room
0: again to the whole research war and then it just like i want to stay away from that like like all that stuff is great like in paper and in practice but it's not what's going to help people get around their, their their mindset shifts and that's what Like I find like, even for me, like when I was working that desk job and I was having those, the neck pain, the tingling down my back, I actually reached out to a physio on Instagram who, and he just like was giving me tips of different ways I could adjust my desk and my workstation Mm -hmm. and they started working. then I found out he was also in Toronto. He was in city place. And I was like, I, and I started going to this guy. His name is Boris. I don't know if you know him, but anyways, I, I actually
1: know Boris pretty well.
0: Yeah. So like he was giving me tips. I started going to him. And that kind of really like was the pivotal point for me. I was like, you know, I want to do what he did and help people online, you know, give them tips, give them value to to show them their light at the end of the tunnel. So that's really what I'm trying to do with the platform here is just be like, let's be empowered. Let me empower you to, you know, be active at your desk. Let me show you all the different ways you can move instead of complaining that you have back pain and not doing anything.
1: And the great thing about social media is it gives small, you know, small, medium-sized businesses, um, and in that case, clinicians, right? Uh, the ability to connect with such a large group of people um, and a specific niche of people who, who might already be looking for our advice, right? So I, I think it's tremendously powerful um, and we, we just need to learn how to, to manage that better, right? And, and how, to, how to figure out how to connect with people and, and be able to adapt. I think that's something, right, in, in healthcare, anybody listening to this will be very familiar, right? Healthcare does not adapt all that quickly to, to life in general. We need to be able to move quicker, right? We need to be able to keep up with everybody because right now it's Instagram, but you know, what's it going to be in two, three years, right? I don't think, you know, physiotherapy and chiropractic is going to take off on something like TikTok, let's say, yeah. you know, in 30 seconds, behind had a rap beat, but you know, what's that next platform going to be for us that, um, is it going to be? We're going to go back to something a little bit more long form, um, like more vlogging. It, where is that going to take us, right? But we have to be adaptable, and um, we got to move forward with it because it, it can be so great for all of us to connect with people. And you know, just even following up with clients, right? Like I have, and, and maybe it's also my demographic right now, where where I treat primarily being downtown. But I have clients who, you know, when they see me post an exercise online will message me and be like, Hey, can I add that to my, to my program? Like, I like that. Like, that looks cool. And I have to then be like, uh, maybe wait till I see you in clinic next time. Right? Like, (laughs) let's, let's reassess (laughs) before I give you something too crazy. Uh, or, you know, they just message me to like share news with me to be like, Hey, I want to let you know, I signed up for a marathon. So I booked an appointment. That's, but that's what we're going to talk about when I get there. So they use it, it. It is, it's a way to continue that therapeutic alliance, um, in a professional context, um, and, you know, if you go back to like what the, you know, for us in, in Canada, our Canadian Physiotherapy Association, you know, the law, you know, th- their guidelines are very lax around social media use because I don't think they really understand how to govern it, right? Um, and the, the, at least for us, I know you, you're in the Nova Scotia right now, um, in Ontario, we've got, you know, the, the uh, CPO, their guidelines are pretty gray as well. Um, and, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's probably people who aren't super familiar with the change in social media and interactions and you know i'll I'll use the word advertising sometimes uh, when it comes to social media and how do they govern it now so um you know i don't know it's it's exciting right because it gives us a chance to to do more but um i I just think there's so much more potential for growth
0: Yeah. One thing I've noticed is the accountability is such a a big thing for me and my clients. Like, like I, yes, I can see in like, in the future, like, like I have tools for my clients, like when we're working online, so they can go through modules in terms of mindset and stuff. So there's like educational components, but I see like, like in the future, hopefully like more physios will be like, have different, you know, avenues to keep their clients accountable. Like I find it's more personable when you go to a physio and, you know, they know who you are. They're keeping up with you on social media a little bit, yeah. following your posts. And then that way you just feel like, you know what, everything is working for me. Like you feel like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to training just because, you know, you just feel like that strong, energetical vibe, you know, you're with your perf- the cl- client and they have that connection with you. And that's kind of what I had with Boris is he was always, you know, checking in on me on Instagram and it really helped me take those next steps. And I was like, getting back to training before I knew it,
1: and, and how good is that? Right. That like, you know, from, a, and you, you know, now from the other side too, when you're, when you're that therapist or the strength coach or the trainer, and you're seeing, um, uh, you know, the enthusiasm come across from your clients and your, your patients and all they want to do is share that with you. That's a great way for us to keep our energy up too. Right. We feed off that as well. And I think it helps, um, you know, it, it, all that does, is when they start to post stuff like that, um, it shows other people that it's good as well, right? So it, it's like it's a, uh, like a linear relationship, right? That now we've had a positive impact on them and now they're going to have a positive impact on the next person, whether it's their best friend or somebody at work, somebody who's seen that, who knows they're in pain and they're getting better. That's going to now change their perception of pain too. And when they're in pain, they're, they might ask that person about what they did right? And it has nothing to do with like, oh, you know, now I want I want to make sure that their friend comes to me in my clinic or somebody in my clinic. It has to do with now we've changed the perception of pain. and We've changed the perception of injury that people don't have to live in pain and in, in, in discomfort, right? And then they can live a better quality of life in most cases.
0: Yeah. And you were saying like a lot of what you do is helping people make sense of their pain and get over that fear. And I find like, it's super important to be able to have that conversation because there's a lot that goes into the mindset. It's not because you'll get people who like, like I've had someone who had a shoulder dislocation when I was working at a clinic in Toronto. She was so afraid to do any exercise. And at that point, I didn't know much about mindset or how to help her, but like, I wish I had the tools, you know, get into a little psychology side.
1: (laughs) That's always a joke, right? When we're, when we're in clinics that we feel like sometimes we're a little bit more psychologists than we are physiotherapists, right? Uh, I always tell physiotherapy, it's, we're kind of the mechanics of the world, right? Of the healthcare world, right? It's Sure, it's complicated and it's complex in some ways, but at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty simple, right? I always say, you know, we help people's range of motion, well, let's say swelling, range of motion, strength right? Like that's, that's what we do. And we have different ways of doing it. Whether you're doing manipulation, you do an acupuncture, active release technique, uh, you prescribe exercises. That's really what we're doing, right? Um, it's all how we, in um, mind my term here, but it's all how you sell it to the client, right? And I, I truly think like most of our interactions are just like little mini sales experiments really, right? Whether you're asking your, you know, your girlfriend out on her first date, or, you know, <laughs> you're talking to a client, you're, you're kind of selling yourself a little bit, right. And you're selling what you're doing and, and why that's going to help that person. Right. Um, and it's always an interesting thing because when people come into your clinic or your, your office for, for help, or they're in their messaging on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, they've already made the decision that they're seeking help. Right. So we have a responsibility to to give them the best advice we can at that point. Right. Because, um, they're probably more apt to believe us no matter what we say. So we really have to take that, that power and responsibility very seriously and be able to give people, um, which is, which is why it's so important for us to always stay up to date with all our you know, our, our coursework and our, our research and to be able to have, you know, have a professional group that you're, that you're constantly interacting with to, to make sure that you are being better. And we're all growing at all times because that's what the clients and the patients deserve from us. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, it's super cool how things are starting to shift and then you're right. I'm just starting to kind of put the pieces together here myself, but I really like how this like it, the profession is growing and you're talking about, you know, more continuing education and kind of collaborative work Yeah,
1: and I, um, I Know you know in Canada for us right every province has our own uh, our own uh, Scope yeah. college right and our, our scope so um, I don't know all of them quite quite perfectly but I know in Ontario like, you know at the moment we don't have to do professional ed courses Right. Which, which has always been like a point of contention for me. I'm like, we don't have to do, you know, continuing ed units. There's no, nobody's decided, you know, certain courses are better than others um, or they're worth a certain number of like hours you have to maintain over a two or three year period where all of our colleagues in healthcare have that. And that's something that really has always really bothered me um, for no other reason than it holds us accountable right? <laughs> to, to making sure we're continuing to be better because um, it, it's healthcare, right? And and I think it, it should be held to a higher standard than other businesses, quite frankly. Um, and we, we owe it to our clients, right? Especially as we keep, especially in physio, like you, yourself and, and myself, you know, it, we're still a growing profession and we keep saying how important we are to the healthcare system, but we, you know, we got to take ourselves seriously as well
0: yeah and it, bit, it's right? not just the growth as a physio itself it's you as an individual doing personal growth like like the more uh, you invest in this yourself the more you're going to know and you're going to share with others like me for example like i've taken a ton of courses but i also you know i'm, I'm in physio school i'm a coach but i also have like three of my own coaches like mm-hmm. different ways you invest in yourself can help you not just in your personal life but we can use you know if we learn one little cool skill from one of for example If I learn one cool skill from a meditation coach and one piece of mindset advice that can help me with, you know, two or three clients, that'll pay, like, dividends down the road.
1: Massively, right? And, and, you know, I said continuing education, but, you know, you hit the the nail right on the head there. I, I think, you know you're talking about professional development, you can't just talk about skill-based learning, Mm -hmm. right? We have to talk about mindfulness. We have to talk about uh, professional development, uh, communication courses, management courses. Um, You know, the list goes on and on. Uh, My business partner, Raj, and myself, those are actually more of the courses we've we've probably taken over the last three or four years. We've actually switched to doing more of those communication-style leadership-based courses. And, you know, we, we did it for maybe the purpose of okay, changing our business plan and, and moving our business in a certain direction, but it definitely in, impacted our, our professional, you, you know, care as well, because you change the way you're interacting and you learn how to interact with different personalities and make those connections. Um, because, you know, again, Therapeutic Alliance is hot right now in physio and in Cairo, but this has been a big topic in business and sales for, you know, two decades. So we can't be scared about kind of going into that world a little bit and maybe grabbing what we can.
0: Yeah. And I really like what you say about the mindfulness has to be there. Cause I feel like, like we have our core kind of principles as physios ourselves, but I think we need to have a more kind of well-rounded holistic approach and really put the things together. Cause why I got into, into the industry at first was to not just help people get rid of their pain, but I want to teach people how to, maintain that on their own long-term, you know, live pain-free and give them the tools and the mindset that they can become unstoppable. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Take a second, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and a comment. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know what you want to see next. Let me know who you want me to interview. We really appreciate your feedback. It's going to help us grow the deathbound Therapy Podcast and promote the deathbound Therapy Lifestyle.
1: Yeah. And I I think that that's, that's super powerful to hear from you. Right. Because, um, you're, you're also following through on that, which is great. Right. Because, you know, I I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of students coming through, you know, coming through the system and, and especially new grads when they're looking for jobs and stuff. I get to meet a lot of them and a lot of people have the right thing to say. But when you see them a couple years down the road, you know, you, you you know, life gets in the way for certain people, but that's definitely, you know, I think you've identified your why, you know, I actually really hate that term, but you, you know, your why very well. And I think that helps to drive it. Right. And that goes back to taking professional courses and being mindful and having coaches to help you find that way and help you keep moving forward in a, in in a certain, um, Trajectory, right? Um, and that's unfortunately what most of us end up missing, um, and why I think you know sometimes physio clinics can be a little cluttered. Sometimes, right? Because we're always on to the next thing, and when we're moving so quickly, and we don't have time to reflect. I remember having, you know, they they were teaching us that at U of T a decade ago. You know, so make sure you stop and reflect. And how many people hated it because they just wanted to get to an anatomy lab? You know, I look back on that now and I'm like, oh my God, like that was the important class, right? <laughs> Learning to stop and reflect and, and, and make adjustments to your day tomorrow on what I did today is the important thing because I can always get to an anatomy lab, right? I can always pull up a, an, uh, uh, an atlas, right? I can, I can check where the muscle insertion is. But to go back and, and, and remember why I'm doing that, that's what's, you know, what's going to make you a powerful of a healthcare uh, worker. In, in, in any sphere right whether you're in the hospital whether you're working in rehab and prehab in a strength conditioning setting if you're being mindful and you're making those connections to people that's really what's going to make you powerful and allow you to to impact the most lives right because otherwise they're just tools and you can't input impl- nobody's going to let you implement those tools if they don't trust you
0: no and that's exactly it if you start using those tools and you start taking the time to reflect like just as you were saying like like, there might be a little bit of resistance to reflect, but as you kind of get into the motions, you're going to start to, you know, get things going. It'll be easier for you to reflect. And then your your patients, the same thing, they'll start to, you know, get into their exercises and they'll start to get into a momentum and everything will really just come together.
1: Yeah. And it, like, you just said it again, man. It's like, it's all about that climb, right? It's like, so what What are we doing in our lives <laughs> to impact them, right? We, we tend to get... Uh, you know, at least I feel this way. You know, we tend to get caught up so much in that ego-driven um, world, right? And, you know, it's the world we live in, right? Where it's a lot of self-promotion. Um, it's a lot of what I can do to help you get better, and it's, it's it's really not about us, right? We should be really always looking at the lens of why are we doing this, why are we doing this course, why are we doing this program, why am I taking this, uh, extra you know, uh, continuing ed to make my clinical care better. Right for my clients, not for me. Right, because that's that's the impact for us. Right, our our why should be like you said. It's like how do I help these other people? Right, if it ends up helping us in the end, that's great. But really, our focus should always be on that end user. Um, And you know, and that's that's a that's a tech thing, right? That's what all these tech guys and uh, software dev guys talk about, right? They're just worried about what does the end user look like. Now, you know, joking jokingly, those guys are the guys who are going to end up in your your caseload, right? Because those are going to be the guys who they're that, at their desk for twelve hours a day and uh, looking for desk bound therapy for sure.
0: It's that's, definitely it's definitely something that has already helped a lot of people. But I'd like to get to the mass point where you know people are, are in their office and they're like, you know, hey, bro, let's let's take a break together. Let's do some stretches. Like, I really want people to be open and, and welcoming about it. And, just like it become a thing where people just like are inspired to just get up and move.
1: Changing perceptions is the hardest thing to do, right?
0: Oh, I know. Like when I got in, I was like, I want to make a societal change, and it's going to be <laughs> hard. But you know, it doesn't need to happen right away. As long as I'm going taking the steps, I'll see the the effects well, you know, you, in 20 years.
1: Baby steps, right? And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I um. One of the courses Raj and myself took was um, a leadership communication course here in Toronto. Um, and it just, you know, they had, there was two speakers. So um, they kind of all, you know split their time, but one of them was actually a former national level synchronized swimmer and a coach now. So as we got talking um, and, you know, we taking taken a break and, I get up immediately and start, you know, I was doing wall angels because my neck was killing me at the time. Cause I'm not used to sitting in a chair all day. Right. So I get up and do that and she stops the break and she goes, what are you doing? Like yells across the room. I said, well, I'm just, I'm just stretching. She goes, how didn't I think of this? I've got a physio here for free. All right, everybody, Matt, lead a 30 second stretching routine for everybody. <laughs> I love so it. That's what we did. And then every break we did, like we got up, we did some wall sits, we did some wall angels and you know, just get your, it's good for your mind, gets your blood flowing again. But it just, you know, like you're saying, it's just allowing us to change our posture, re- reduce some of that strain. But uh, you know, and I, I caught up with her about a year ago, and she said she still has people do Wall Angels at all the breaks now. So even you know, little little minor societal impacts, one at a time, right? We just got to change one perception. That's it.
0: It's, it's honestly huge. Like not, cause then people, as soon as they do it, whether it's the first time you'll immediately have that buy-in because they'll notice the effects, like you're getting more oxygen to your brain, you're getting blood to your muscles and you just feel alive versus when you sit there and you try to work past the point of like fatigue and distraction, you're not focused. You're really just sitting there without being productive. And I always tell people like, look, if you're just sitting there, you're not doing anything. You might as well just get up and <laughs> get moving because you're going to feel better anyways.
1: That That's so true. Right. And now that, there's just so many distractions now for people at their desk. It's it's probably worse than it ever used to be because there's no reason for them to move, right? Unless we make health a priority for them and teach them why it's super important. The problem is we always have to wait for them to be in pain for them to make that connection.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Right? That's, I was just about to say that. Yeah.
1: It, it's unfortunate that that has to be the prime mover for people, but that's human nature, right? Nobody's ever going to, I mean, there's going to be a very small percent of the population who makes, you know, impactful change in their life, unless they need to, right? So that that's always going to be our struggle, right? It's getting people to be healthy before they're injured and before they're sick. Um, but I mean, if if you, I guess you know, it doesn't matter, right? As long as you we get to those people to teach them to change their lives and make the lives better, their quality of life better, their pain better, their uh, you know after work lives better at some point, I guess we really shouldn't complain, right? We're going to get there somehow.
0: Yeah. And the thing of, about that is like, we can teach them ways or educate them, but we can only help the people who want to be helped at the end of the day. Like we can have intentions, but we want to focus on those and the rest will follow.
1: Yeah. I think that's the, that, and that's why maybe we have to wait for them for most people to be injured in a pain, right. Or have that pinched nerve in their neck or, uh, you know, the radiating pain and, uh, the inability to like, you know, to use their mouse or their keyboard or pick their kids up. Cause we always have to hit that. They, not we, they have to hit that thing that changes their day, right. That that really makes it impactful for them to make sure they'll listen right? Um, you know, even as, you know, as a strength conditioning guy, uh, you know, when you have clients and you're training people, there's always a reason they're there. You know, most people don't just one day wake up and go, hey, I really want to be a stronger human being, <laughs> right? Something's happened to, to get you in the gym. Something's changed in your life. You've had some sort of conversation or, or something switched, you know, so, something's made that switch turn in your head, um and I, I you know we're humans right we we like to be adaptable we don't like to use too much energy if we don't have to i think there's some leftover uh evolution in there right we don't want to do too much unless we have to save that energy
0: Yeah, and that's why i feel like mindset can definitely come in like if people understand like if they think about their pain too much then it can oftentimes intensify so if we just you know in that initial setting, like what I'll do is when my new client signs up, like we'll do 60 minutes of just mindset before I even do your movement assessment. Cause I just really want to know how you think as a person. So I'll go over mm. some things like, why do you feel like you're going to get pain if you sit or um, why do you think that, you know, you're not going to have good fun when you work out on your own stuff like that. Just kind of like I do, I find reframing and giving analogies and telling stories really helps people kind of explore their mindset.
1: That that's a that's a great process actually, especially on day one, right? To take that time to really understand where they're coming from, because I think if you understand where they're coming from, you're going to find it easier to make those connections, like you're saying, right? Uh, to and then and then when you do that, then your message is going to be so much more impactful on people to change their belief system, right? Um, and if they don't believe that you care or they don't believe that you're listening to them, that message is. Gonna go right through their ears, right, or, or right over their heads, uh, or they're gonna dismiss it. So I think that's a that's a very impactful technique, right? And um, it really does come down to making connections with people, right? At the end of the day, right? That's that's really what we should be doing in, in all fats, facets of our life. But really, it's um, as therapists, as clinicians, we have to be. You know, we, we have to. Like we said before, right, it, it doesn't always matter the the tools you know. It doesn't always matter the courses you take and the research paper you've looked at. It's about that client in front of you and making it impactful for them. So, you know, it's our job to digest all that scientific information and actually make it applicable somewhere, you know, in our day-to-day lives. So, I, you know, I, I, I believe, like, what you're saying is um, – is huge. and the fact that like somebody like yourself and now you have a different process because you know you went through the other side of uh, of the physio table or the therapist table to understand that maybe and, and that's definitely probably put you in an advantage position um, but usually, you know it takes a long time for clinicians to really understand that. right I think that's what you're seeing one of the positives on social media lately on Instagram and especially in the last year is more advanced clinicians talking or senior clinicians talking about this and getting, Um, you know, doing mentoring with the younger, uh, the physios, the new grads, um, you know, presenting courses on this type of stuff to, to make sure that people are, you know, are learning these skills and these techniques earlier in their career and not just focusing on getting their, um, diploma manipulation, right. And not just getting their dry needling courses and not just, you know, doing their mulligan stuff. And it really is about a combination of those two things.
0: And someone who's definitely a prime example would be Dr. Jacob Harden. Like, he really explains in his captions, he's like, look, guys, like, you're going to have pain, but there's, you know, a pain continuum and there's different mm-hmm. thresholds of pain that are okay to push through. And maybe, you know, that's probably, you know, something you can go into deeper is give people some tips in terms of, you know, say they're doing some exercises, how much pain is you know, okay or or bad or good? Yeah. And that, um,
1: I mean, again, if you, you know, we always take advantage or, for granted i say in physio school who you know let's just say what it is right like most physios tend to be fairly mostly athletic people um or people with some sort of athletic background Mm -hmm. so when you go through labs and you're you're doing your your, you know your special tests that we still teach and stuff like that in clinic and lab and nobody's really in pain or you're just you're still playing sports in university or just you know rec sports you're used to a certain amount of pain. And then you get out into the to the real world and you realize not everybody has that same experience as you do, right? Physio world, university life is is very encapsulated. It's a very protected world. And you don't really get a chance to meet people outside of that group until you're practicing. And then all of a sudden, depending where you live and where you move back to or you move to and the community, it can be a complete 180 from where you are. My first clinic um, was in Scarborough. I actually split my time. I I had one clinic downtown Toronto up in Yorkville. So it was all the uh, CEOs from the banks. And then I had, and me being like a 25 year old kid with a baby face, did (laughs) not go over super well, which is part of the reason I first grew a beard to make myself look older. And then the other clinic was in Scarborough and, you know, the population there was, uh, it was an OHIP clinic, so it was partially covered by uh, the government healthcare system. And, you know, everybody was over 65. And all I had done was, you know, worked on people who were 22 years old in in school. And now I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is working with 65-year-olds. Um, and, you know, with, without that perception of, like, people who hadn't exercised maybe ever, or at least on the last 50 years, right. Since they played a game, they, they didn't know how to respond to pain. So, um, we do have to be able to be, um, to teach people, you know, what's, what really is pain, right? Like not everything's an eight or 10 out of pain, 10, you know, 10 out of 10 in pain, um, on that pain scale, right. Um, what we can work into, you know, somebody with arthritis, what's okay to work with as far as discomfort and pain, what's an, appropriate amount of soreness after you work out or what's an appropriate amount of soreness the next day from doing wall squats if you've never done wall squats. Um little things like that, right? And we really have to be uh, again I hate to say hey, dry, you know draw right back to that circle, but it goes right back to what you're saying about the mindful um, you know, doing those mindfulness sessions with people, right? And seeing where people are coming from. So you can learn to connect with them on their level, not your level.
0: Because I noticed one thing that was big for me was I went to a lot of different clinicians until I found someone I really resonated with. I remember the first physio I went to, he was like, oh, you're smart, you know exercise, you know how to work out, you won't re-injure yourself. And I'd come back every week, just, you're injured again. Tried somebody else. But it wasn't until I met someone who could meet me where I was at, to the point where I started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and that I could, you know, sit down at a desk without excruciating shoulder pain.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that's it, right? It's um, communication is all about getting, uh, you know, finding if there is an imbalance, in which case in a clinician to client relationship, there's an inherent imbalance, right? But finding that imbalance and then being able to talk to that person at that appropriate level, you know, and it's unfortunate that you had to go through that, but it, you know, again, we look forward to, you know, everything happens for a reason and that's definitely helped you on your career now. Right. So you know that, and you can take that message and continue that to push that messages to how to change communication styles. Right. And, you know, we have this talk in our clinic all the time about, you know, clinicians, you know, how you talk to other clinicians is one way, right. You're like this, but even when you're talking to your, your administration staff, your front desk team, that's a different power relationship. And then when you talk to your clients, that's it, or your, your patients, that's a different power relationship and you have to continually change your message to make, um, to get your point across and to, um, you know, continue to build that relationship and, and, and make it um, a tighter relationship. So especially in the, the patient relationship, right? Like they've got to believe you and they've got to know you care. And if you're talking to them like that, like it's okay, it's fine. You know, and maybe the guy he saw before you was that guy and it worked but he might've missed the fact that you were scared, right? Maybe he wasn't picking up on that or the fear, the fearfulness that we were talking about earlier, he missed that. Right. Um, and just taking the time to maybe talk to you instead of talking at you, maybe they would have picked that up earlier and been able to help you.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely grateful for like the injuries. Cause each one has taught me a lesson that I can use as a, as, as a tool or my toolkit. Like even when I, would first start off with just teaching yoga. Like, I would educate them on, you know, like, the injuries I had with my shoulder. You know, these are some things I learned and some things I did. So, like, everything does actually happen for a reason. Like, even in, in hindsight, we don't think it is. Like, everything is teaching us something. So, you know, we can use, you know, for example, your experience when you tore your quad. You learn something you can resonate with with a client as bad as it probably was, you know? So we, all, we all gain something out of all of our experiences. But the communication, yeah, definitely agree with you that we have to be able to to work with different types of people
1: yeah i I, that's always going to be you know one of my strong messages you know and it took me years to learn that it took me so long to learn um you know to be an effective leader and and a powerful leader you need to be able to change how you speak to people um based on your specific relationship right um just like you wouldn't you know you know, you don't talk to your mom the same way you maybe talk to your grandmother or, you know, something like that, right? Like you have different relations with different relationships with different people and you've got to be adaptable. You can't be relying on them to be adaptable that that falls on us. And, um, like we said before, right? Like it's, it's that, um, there, there is a power and and a responsibility that comes with being in healthcare. And we've got to take that serious and, and really change the way that we approach these, these conversations. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, um, like you said, injuries—even injuries happen for a reason, right? And um, even just to slow us down. Sometimes I think injuries <laughs> always work well at making us uh, slow down and, and remember how how much we appreciate. Um, at least for somebody like me, it always helped me appreciate mobility and getting around. Because even walking around with a cane was, uh, <laughs> you know, was was harder my ego more than anything.
0: Yeah, you got a cane and a baby face. It's not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I really liked on your social media, you had this one cool post. You were talking about like leaders eat last. And I thought that was really cool. And leadership. Uh,
1: yeah. And, um, you know, leadership something that's been um, really kind of on the forefront uh, of my, my mind and my life for the last, at least the last, you know, 18 months to maybe 24 months, and where I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to develop myself personally and professionally, um, you know, to go back to my life, you know, I grew up playing hockey my whole life. I was always on the leadership teams, you know, hockey culture, and, you know, as an adult, you're like, okay, this isn't a, a healthy culture. Oh, always, right. Like the way you address, um, issues amongst the team, the way you address, uh, conflict isn't always healthy. It's not the healthiest world, uh, f- from that perspective, even though, you know, the um, you still might be a good leader or you might be learning leadership techniques and tools and and tricks. They're not always, you know, what you take from the sporting world isn't always applicable to the boardroom and not always applicable to a a treatment room. So, um, you know, and then for us, you know, having a small business and and growing a small business and that changes as you start to have bigger staff members, right. And and more staff members. And it changes how you, how uh, you have to approach, you know, your own ego, right? Because it's no longer for me, you know, and, and selfishly when I was younger, the clinic was a lot about me, right? It was about me being this, this physio who was really good and who was attracting all these clients and students to come mentor with me. And uh, it, it, there was a, a very large ego component to that, um, that, that, you know, now I admit freely that I just was probably unaware of at the time. And as I've been, you know, been able to, you know, and, and through conversations and, and very tough conversations with, with friends and colleagues and uh, coaches t- to challenge myself to change that perspective and understand that it's not even, you know, at one point I thought, you know, well, yeah, it isn't about me. It's about the clinic, but it's not about the clinic. It's about how do we impact people at, at, on a day-to-day basis? How do we impact the most people? And, and that's why we created a clinic with clinicians and that's why I teach and I mentor and to help as many people as I can more than like more than outside myself really right Um, but that has nothing to do with me or it shouldn't have anything to do with me and it shouldn't have anything to do with my ego Um, so that's where that quote comes from right because it was you know it, it it's something you know a fairly popular quote but there was something going on that day and I you know I had been at work for something like 12 hours and we had ordered pizza (laughs) earlier that day and I was like, Oh, is there still, you know, they were like, yeah, we left you some pizza. And it was like, you know, a cold slice of pizza, you know, just sitting in the box. And I'm thinking like, Oh yeah. Yeah. At first I got a little upset. I'm like, thanks guys. And then I started to remember, I'm like, no, this, this is what I chose. Right. And I I chose to put people in front of me at, at all times. Right. Whether it's, you know, I'm up late studying on a course or I'm, you know, building a program or I'm working on a, you know, a a meeting itinerary or whatever it might be. But, you know, we put other people first and that's our response. You know, that's a chosen responsibility, but leaders have to remember that, that it's, it isn't about you, right? (laughs) You lead, you're supposed to lead from the back, not the front. And unfortunately, you know, I think because, healthcare is so client facing and patient facing, it's very easy to get caught up in the ego of it. Right. And there's lots of social media that I'm sure some of your followers and the people listening to this podcast will know about on Instagram, right? There's, there's a lot of vanity even from healthcare, right? There's a lot of, uh, great photos of people, <laughs> you know, um, nothing wrong with that either. Right. Like if you got a good photo, post it, right. Got a good, somebody like somebody who's editing those photos, man, if it looks cool, post it, but it can't just be about the ego, right? We have to change that perspective and it's hard because most of us work very independently. That's the other problem with, with, with healthcare, right? We tend, even if you're working in a clinic, you tend to work in that room or on that table, right? In that space, and you might not even interact with the rest of your, your colleagues for an entire day outside of the moment when you're walking in and walking out of the office. So it's very easy to get caught up in that. So that that's been, um, I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's been something that I've been really trying to impart on colleagues and friends and, uh, even on myself, right. Still constantly change, challenging myself when I feel like I'm, I'm being a little bit of a dick
0: it's good. That's actually something my meditation coach taught me about is using like an anchor point. Whenever you, you notice yourself getting distracted or, or going into old patterns, you, you, you notice that. And it's kind of like, that was your anchor when you were like, I was angry about the pizza. No, you were able to get out of that and pivot your, your focus. And that's, it's great.
1: There, there's another lesson in there for healthcare employees, right? Remember to eat. <laughs> Don't <laughs> everybody working in hospitals and private clinics. You know, nobody eats ever. Don't get hangry. <laughs> <laughs> makes you make bad decisions you know <laughs> make sure there's always some almonds around or something keeps everybody friendlier at the clinic
0: so what are some things you do because you you got to show up 100 percent every day what are some things you do you know for your own routine whether it's going to the gym or, or meditating or personal growth like how do how does matt show up every day like what what is the process for you uh um you you, you
1: know the gym super important for me um it's, it's an outlet for me to let my stress go, um, move my body around, you know, maybe, maybe somewhat fatigue my body a little bit. Um, I tend to be a pretty, like, you know, I'm always at an, I'm one of those guys who's always like an eight out of 10 all the time. So I think sometimes I need to depress my system a little bit by maybe getting tired by playing sports, um, getting some of that nervous energy out of my day. I keep a smile on my face a lot by keeping an espresso machine.
0: <laughs> at the clinic
1: that uh anybody if you ever talk to anybody at the clinic they know I have I have an espresso at the at the clinic just for that reason. Um everybody knows I'm a little bit happier when there's there's a fresh caffeine in front of me. Uh especially something about espresso. the smell
0: of fresh roasted beans in the air just gets you going. I, and I, you know, I wish people tell me all
1: the time that, you know, how good they feel that they've quit caffeine. And I'm like, I don't even want to be a part of that life. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not, that's not a lifestyle for me. So, uh, you know, that, you know, joking aside, that is actually something that, uh, that really does put a smile on my face because, you know, it's an opportunity to, uh, for me, an espresso, as silly as it sounds, it's a, it's an anchoring point. It's an opportunity to stop. Exactly. Yeah. Smell the coffee, sit down, have a quick conversation with somebody and then you're back up and at it. Right. And it's just that momentary, you know, pause in your day and something that I really truly appreciate and truly love. So for me, it's that anchoring point that you just, you know, for two, three minutes, when it's a hectic day, you know, you got a ton of emails, you got a couple clients who are coming in um, with different problems and you're like, you know, your head spinning. And it's just that moment of like stop clarity and you can kind of pop right back into it. Um, so I, you know, I know a couple of cl- clients or, uh, sorry, um, colleagues with espresso machines who I, I, who I know feel the exact same way over coffee machines, just for that reason. It, uh,
0: that's your one thing. And you know that, and that's like going home for you and you're like, all right, I need, cause you're, you're, we're, we're giving a lot as therapists and trainers, we're always giving, but you need to, to take, and that's your means of mm-hmm. taking and getting your energy back into your body. You know, that's, um
1: that's a conversation I was having with
0: one of my good friends, uh, just last
1: weekend, actually, after, you know, Friday, when we both got home from work and we're just chatting over the phone was that we do give a lot. And a lot of people don't realize that. And especially a lot of students don't realize that when they come out of school. Um, and I think we see a lot of burnout. I, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of burnout with some of the clinicians we've hired because it's a nonstop giving job, right? Seven, eight hours a day. You're just giving, then you're charting, then you're researching, And then you got to go home and you got to give to other people, right? Who, you know, you got to give to your roommate or your partners, your family or whatever it might be. And it's, it, it can be a very draining profession in that, in that way. So, um, you know, the other thing that I, I realize is I need a lot of me time or just like quiet time, right. Where, um, so sometimes that, that backs up and it's the gym as well. But for me, I realize you know, after giving all day, I need like half an hour. Before I, before I even try to go home and, and try to be social again or, or try to go out to a dinner or something after work. Like I need that little bit of time to keep me sane, to just like reflect a bit and just let, let the thoughts process, right? And it's very challenging in a world today where the first thing we usually do is grab our phone,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And you see the 10 text messages you missed or you see the 50 emails that you missed and you have to respond to. And just taking that time to then, settle down right and like bring your catch just catch up catch up to all the thoughts that you've been having all day it can be super at least for me it's super powerful you know some people would call that um you know some people do meditation some people call that mindfulness for me i literally just sit down <laughs> you know just put music on and just stare at the wall i just need to let things happen
0: music is good it's powerful for sure music is music is super
1: powerful and um it, it We, uh, you know, at our, at our clinics, we have like a a wireless, uh, Bluetooth system set up for, uh, for, for music. And you see how powerful it is because, you know, you change the music sometimes and you can see people's moods change. And I, I, I mean, like you see the, the patient's moods change.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Like you can hear a song that reminded you of good times, for example, before your injury. And then you could just, you know, you could hear that and you can step back into that feeling and you can be like, wow, you know, I feel great.
1: Yeah. And it, um, you know, I don't want to divert from our conversation too much, but I, you know, I know friends who use it from, um, from a social psychology standpoint in music, right. And to helping people heal. So, you know, it's, I think that one of the things that, you know, when, when Raj and I decided to open the clinic, that was one of the kind of conversations we actually had was was around music. And, you know, we wanted to create a clinic that didn't look like a physio clinic. We wanted, you know, clean white walls and, you know, clean architecture inside and, you know, nice pictures and bright lights. And we wanted it to be, uh, you know, we wanted music. We didn't want to play, um, you know, the the oldies channel you know with you know the 80s music on it because it's you know there's not gonna be any bad songs on it we wanted a friendly inviting environment and I think music can be a huge part of that for physio clinics for chiro clinics to make it an inviting place for people
0: you know, it's 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 good that you have your routines and you know what you need to do to take care of your body and to turn that into you know practice advice for someone working at a desk it's the same idea if you feel yourself starting to feel the onset of a little bit of a pain or a little bit of discomfort. It can be as simple as your anchor. It can be, you know, just stand up or sit there, just take a nice deep breath and just try to, you know, get your mind off of that. Or even, you know, just like Matt was saying, take five, 10 minutes, go for a walk, go to a different room in your office, just spend some time on yourself. Or that can be even, that can be a reminder to just get moving and that could be how you recharge. So it's all mm-hmm. about, finding what will work for you at the desk job to recharge and get back to a point where you, you feel good. That can even be doing wall angels for 30 seconds. <laughs> right, and it's, um,
1: I think you, you, you might have just said it, but it's, it's taking that time for yourself, right? And giving, the pe- giving people the license to take time for themselves. Uh, and I do, you know, I, I personally feel that we don't do that, right? We, we, do, we tend to do a lot of things nowadays because it's so easy. Right, because you don't even need to get to your laptop anymore. Right. It's it's all on your phone. So you can be constantly doing things, but never doing something positive for yourself. Um, and we you know, and, and maybe that's part of what we do is we give people the license to come into the clinic for 30 minutes. And we give them the ability to focus on them and work on them even if it's on a physical standpoint or they're meeting you in the gym for an hour once a week or twice a week right we're giving them that license to say it's okay to work on you and maybe that's where you know indirectly what we're doing is we're just we're making that positive influence on somebody in that direction
0: super cool stuff so are there any other tips or advice you would give to you know people working at the desk whether it be around their pain or their habits or their routines or their mindset um
1: You know, I, I, we already touched on, but like the number one thing for me is, uh, we're talking mindset, find a coach, right? Find a coach, listen to a pod, find a podcast you like, um, what I'm, what I'm totally blank on the name of the one that I've been obsessed with lately, um, coaching for leaders, that's the one. Um, they're about half an hour in length, usually 35 minutes. There's always a new topic. Um, everything from communication to like how to manage up, um, how to manage down. Like it's, it's everything in between. And not all the topics will be for everybody, but, um, you know, half an hour of self-improvement a week in the way that you communicate with people, I think is super powerful. Um, otherwise, you know, if you can find a coach, like you're saying, somebody to help guide you through that process, uh, You know, people are always surprised when I say, like, you know, I go to a physio or I go see a trainer every once in a while. They're like, but why? I'm like, because you can't see yourself the way everybody else sees you. Right. And it's it's we need to, again, give that ego up and, and allow people to help move us forward. Right and in, in that uh, that trajectory we really want to see ourselves in, but we can't always do that. Right, we don't have a clear vision of ourselves and who we are sometimes. So I think it's always important to to have somebody on your side to help you move forward. Um, that that would be my advice. And otherwise, Wall Angels, man do wall angels and deadlifts. That's that'll solve most of society's problems. I think <laughs> what about the glutes, man? We got to work. There we that, go. Deadlift, get gotta get that deadlift, man. I, you know, that, that was actually a joke I had back when I was in physio school, uh, that if everybody just deadlifted, we'd be a healthier, better place in the world. And it's something that I actually still truly feel it's uh, is, um, would be helpful. You know, it, it would solve a lot of problems, right. There'd be a lot of, lot less arthritis, it'd be a lot stronger people, Everybody would have better grip strength. You'd be able to have a better quality of life later on. Less falls. Everybody be in shape. It would be good. That's the hill I decided to
0: die on. Deadlift is something like it's such a staple, like learning how to hinge your hips. Like especially for those of you, this is big advice. If you're sitting there listening to this at your desk and you have lower back pain, like like learning how to hinge your hips properly and deadlift is probably one of the mm-hmm. most powerful tools you can learn. A lot of times you just see people, you know, ripping four plates with really bad form or more this is actually a really great point. Like people are afraid to deadlift. They're like, it's so bad for your back. I'm going to break a disc. I'm going to break my back. But really just like if you break down the movement and you learn how to hinge your hips properly, you're, you're going to feel confident in the way your back moves and your hips move. You're not going to have probably any pain doing deadlifts. But we just got to get rid of that notion that they're bad for your back. That's a complete myth.
1: It's a huge myth, right? It's a huge myth. And man, I, I, I agree with you. It's If you are taught properly, right and, and you you feel safe and you feel comfortable with it and you again, you've got somebody who's progressing you properly right life is I, I keep using this analogy lately um and people in my life are probably sick of hearing uh, me say it but it'll be at least the first time for you you know it it really just goes down to like progression methods, right? It's strength training methods, right? It's just progressive overload, everything in our life.
0: Yeah. Right. It's all baby steps. It's just, pro- just like you said, many sales, progressive overload, just the same idea.
1: That's all we're, you know, that's the best way to succeed in life, right? It's just little baby steps the whole way. It doesn't matter if it's a tendon that we're trying to, you know, make stronger. It doesn't matter if it's a disc injury or a nerve impingement, um, or, you know, trying to move up the ladder at work right? Or try to increase your tolerance to run a half marathon or a marathon. It's just a little, little bit every day day. has got to be changed, right? Um, I, th- I think that's, that's huge. And that's the way we should train people. And that's the way we should coach people. And that's the way we should treat people um, you know, who are in pain from a, a therapy standpoint as well.
0: This has been great so far. I got some rapid fire questions for you to finish off.
1: Awesome. I like it. This is
0: my <laughs> new segment. So We already talked about how you find a little bit of work-based balance. So my question for you is like, who is your greatest inspiration? Why? Oh gosh.
1: 30 seconds. Man. Okay. Um, Right now it's a very good friend of mine who I always swear, no matter how busy I am, um, he's always far busier than me. Plus he always has the time and recognizes when I need a timeout. And he's the guy who just, I I aspire to be that connected to people where I can see it uh, when they, when I can help them.
0: That's awesome. That's, everyone should have someone like that in their lives for sure. So, what would you say is your biggest challenge in your business, and how did you overcome it?
1: Oh, see, I don't think I've overcome it yet. Um, Humility. You know, there we go. <laughs> we're, you know, we're we're in um we're we're in a fun spot right now where we're growing, um, and we're trying to figure out. You know, one clinic was great, and we were having fun, but we did we wanted to challenge ourselves, and now we have three and we got to figure out how to be business people. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't learn that in school. So, um, I'm, I'm happy, uh, you know, I got to have a couple opportunities to take my failures and put them into talks and teach the next generation of physios and students, um, and some conferences coming up, but we're still working on that. We're still trying to figure out, you know, how to scale a healthcare business. That's, that's, um, and make it sustainable and keep the client experience number one. And also, you know, not kill ourselves, make sure we still have that time to, for our families and our friends.
0: What is one food you would rate 10 out of 10? Oh, pizza, man,
1: pizza. I could eat pizza every day, (laughs) three times a day.
0: Oh man. I literally just got a text from a buddy. He said, you want to get pizza (laughs) before we go study That's it, man. It's
1: the best food, man. You got everything. You can put whatever you want on it. You go thin crust. Yeah, you go thin crust. You go Detroit style, Chicago style. I'm all in all day. It's half the reason I go to the gym.
0: What is something aside from this area of life and rehab that you wish you knew more about?
1: Yeah, you know what? For me lately, I'm realizing I really wish I knew more about software development um, or coding, if you want to call it that. And uh I think it's, you know, so powerful in, in a in a way to um, to get connection with people, right? Just like we were talking at the beginning of, uh, of this talk, it's, you know, how do we impact the most people, right? And um, having a way, you know, the, the biggest problem I think with healthcare is you're always talking to somebody from the tech world that doesn't understand business and the physio or the chiro business or the medical business and why we can't do certain things. Um, And I think that's been a challenge and one of the reasons why healthcare is getting left, you know, in the early 2000s while the rest of the world is progressing so quick with the technology.
0: Yeah, I've started to embrace my former background as a software engineer and starting to use that to help me kind of connect with more people in that area if you do need my help. So it's definitely good to have that. experience. Oh, awesome.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, I mean, and again, you come from the right world, right? You got <laughs> that bright background. And I think that's, um, you know, it's, it's the number one job in the world for a reason.
0: Right. So coming back to that, like what is something that most people don't know about you? Ooh, that's, that's a good
1: question. I don't know, man. Um, God, I, I I don't have an answer for that, man. I'm a pretty open book. And most people, like, I'm I'm not shy to answer questions. So I don't know if there is anything that people don't know about me or would find strange. I I once, the last time somebody asked me a question, I said, you know, I'm I'm a big, I'm a huge nerd. And they stopped and they're like, no, no, we already know that. So I was like, okay, so I'm not fooling you guys, at least. (laughs) I try to to play it off like I'm cool, but I'm, I'm really just a big anatomy nerd. I'm a big physio nerd. I'm a big stats nerd, right? So um, I used to think that was the answer, but apparently it's not very good. But now everybody knows who didn't know anyways.
0: Now you know. And if you you do, use an open book. So make sure you follow Matt Does Physio on Instagram. He'll answer any of your questions. And if you are in Toronto, make sure to check out one of your clinics, let them know. Deskbound Therapy sent you over and Matt will hook you up with some mindset, mobility and physio. Let's go. You got it. I love it. So, yeah, where else can people connect with you? Obviously on Instagram, but you have a website and email.
1: Yeah, um, my email is very simple. Uh, it's matt, M-A-T-T, at foundationphysio.com. Uh, you can always check us. Uh, you know, I run my uh, clinic Instagram page as well, Foundation Physio. Um, we're moving uh, a lot of the injury-based talks or injury-based little mini Instagram blogs they've been doing. We're starting to change them to like a long form uh, YouTube channel. So you can see that at the injury gurus as well. Um, any of those ways, you know, you can always reach out to me. The great thing about these smartphones is you get all the notifications and all the messages. So, you know, whether it's email or it's uh, uh, DM over Instagram, those are great ways to get a hold of me. Um, and I always love to talk and rant about physio stuff. So if it's people who want to talk something like this and uh, just chat about, you know, career progression and and moving on through their career, I'm all ears. And uh, if it's people who just want to know more about how to, how to demystify their pain and, and, and work to improve their, their function, you know, hit me up as well. I love it all the same.